0: Well, good morning everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us there online. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Um, this morning is, um, uh, well, for some of us this morning is just, it's just beautiful. It's wonderful. We're thrilled for an, another Sunday, another new week. Uh, for others of us, today is just really, really difficult. Um, I don't, Michelle uh, just walked in and, and talked, uh, told me about her her niece's boyfriend. Some of you uh, saw the news about the young man who was uh, hit on his motorcycle in front of Walmart. That's who that is. A uh, young man in his 30s who's clinging to life and uh, asked if we could pray for him. Hey, Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's continue the prayers that we've started with these songs. God, we... We do bless your holy name. We acknowledge that you are the God who is worthy of all glory and honor, all praise that we might be able to give. God, all of the, um, all of the attention and adulation, all the celebration that we give to, uh, to our celebrities and to our uh, uh, sports heroes and all the people that we look up to for one reason or another, the applause that we send their way. Today, God, we are acknowledging that you deserve uh, so much more then we could even begin to to send your way. God, help us to to understand, to to acknowledge, to have a sense of your great goodness to us, all that you give us, your kindness, your patience. I mean, every breath that we breathe is a gift from you, God. And if we were to stop and, and and to begin to list out all the good gifts that you give us, all the things that we have to thank you for, we could get to 10,000 and beyond reasons to thank you reasons to give you praise thank you god thank you for your presence with us some of us this morning we are uh, we're participating from home we are feeling the isolation and we are so so tired of it all some of us came today just to escape it for a little bit god we never anticipated that this coronavirus season would would last as long as it has and God it is it is wearing on us we come to you today needing hope needing strength needing you to provide the energy that we need to to continue to press <laughs> to continue to walk to continue to put one foot in front of the other to continue to to take the extra energy that it requires to to stay connected to each other to continue to reach out in love through Uh, through the phone calls and the the socially distant visits and all the rest. God, thank you that in the midst of all sorts of ups and downs and anxieties and fears that you are with us. We think again today of all of those who are uh, engaged with schooling in some way, Uh, whether it's parents who are now schooling their kids from home and having to experience that again. They were hoping to be done with that this last spring, but here they are again, God, would you provide them with strength and wisdom to know how to do that well. For all of our teachers and administrators and school staff, people who are, who are there uh, doing their best to serve kids, some of whom are in person, some of whom are online, God, would you please energize them for the task that they have, the, the challenge that they face. For all those students, God, who are showing up every day, trying to learn with, with all of the restrictions that are, that are... My school just feels so different now. God, would you please help them to be able to learn what they need to learn, to, for their curiosity to, to continue to be engaged. Thank you, God, that whatever we are facing, and some of us, we're facing those issues, some of us are facing very different ones that cause us anxiety and stress today. We are so grateful that we can come to you with all of it, knowing that you love us, knowing that you're with us, and you can renew our sense of hope. You can renew our sense of you being our refuge, our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. So today, God, as we come to you, we bring all of this with us. And we do bring our thanks and we do bring our praise. We bring all of it to you because you're the God who made us. You're the God who loves us. You're the God who has come to us in Jesus Christ to show us that your love and your your life is more powerful than, than the hate, than disease, and even death, God. You conquered sin and death in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. And today, by your Holy Spirit, you are drawing us together. You're drawing us into your life as your people, as your body. Some of us, God, not sure we've really crossed that line yet. We're here, we're curious. We want, we're looking for some hope. For all of us, God, would you help us have a a very real sense of connecting with you today? Help us to hear your voice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Will the peace of the Lord be with you? Thank you. All right. uh, Instead of walking in the room and greeting each other, why don't you go ahead and look around and see someone that you haven't seen in a while and at least give them a wave, give them a hello, say uh, maybe flash them a peace sign. I don't know what do you want to do there, but uh, we just can't go and hug each other and shake each other's hands right now. So uh, now, after the service, of course, um, um, and, and you can have a seat, those of you who stood up to sing, yeah, go ahead. A- after the service, of course, um, uh, if you want to talk to each other, that's fine. You know, make sure you're wear- wearing your mask out of consideration for the person you're talking to and, and uh, you know, feel free to hang out a little bit. Uh, it's better, we hear, if you do that outside, but, uh, and it's a beautiful day outside, but uh, but regardless, just uh, want to thank you again for taking the precautions that you do to try to make sure that, um, that we're all staying safe and for the sake of those uh, who are with us this morning who um, who are here because you are wearing those masks, and so they feel comfortable being here. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see, I'm going to move a couple of things around here while I, while I share just a couple of announcements. Uh, one of them, we hope that all of you will... Uh, We'll take just a second to fill out one of those little digital connect cards. I think you can just go to livinghope.info slash connect. It'll take you right there. Uh, you can let us know you're with us. Share with us any feedback or comments or questions. And uh, if you're watching online, that's a really easy thing to do. Uh, if you're here with us, I guess you could pull your phone out and do that. Or you could grab one of the little welcome cards that are back there and, and jot a little note on it and drop it in the offering box. Uh, speaking of the offering, of course, if you're here, you can drop that in the offering box this morning. If you're watching from home, you can give by going to livinghope.info slash give. And uh, you can give with the credit card or link it to your checking account. I know for me and my wife, we just went ahead and linked it up with our checking account and we have that happen automatically every month so that uh, we don't have to remember the checkbook anymore. And uh, it's a a real gift to us to be able to do that. And thank you to all of you who continue to give and support the work of this church um, uh, here and around the world. Uh, Now I do want to mention real quick, I have some of you every week that are like, hey, can you text me the link again to how I can watch this? And so I just wanted to flash them up on the screen. There are at least three places you can go to watch every Sunday. And we just made little links to them so you can find them really easy. They all start with livinghope.info/slash. And then if you, if you type live in, it'll take you to that church online platform uh, that lets you watch it live with us. Uh, or if you type Facebook, it takes you right to our church's Facebook page. Or YouTube, it takes you straight to the church's YouTube channel. I know some of you watch it on YouTube. You put that, it makes it easy for you to put it up on your TV. Some of you love watching it on Facebook because then you can host a watch party and you can invite your friends. Uh, my wife does that every Sunday. She starts a little watch party and she invites some of her friends. And she's had some people that have been engaging with us, worshipping with us, that maybe never would have shown up here on a Sunday morning. But they're, uh, they're watching, and they're participating, and they're saying hi in the comments. Hi. Um, sorry, sorry, I wish I could do that right now. I wish I could interact with you a little bit more easily. But, um, so anyway, I wanted to make sure you know these are three ways that you can engage with us each and every Sunday. And uh, we've got some work to do on our website itself to make that easier when you go there to just find all that. Hopefully we'll get that done in the very near future. Um, and I did want to mention, too, there's nothing to put on the screen for this, but uh, that we are just, like, three weeks away from our church turning 20 years old, um, which seems hard to believe. Uh, man, uh, 20 years old. Uh, uh, it was uh, yeah 20 years ago that we were starting this church, setting up out of the Aberdeen Manor, and, uh, and we did that for nine years before we moved into the space behind Harley-Davidson for five years, and then we bought this building back in uh, I think 2014 is when we moved in here. It hardly, it's been six years we've been in this building, good grief. Anyway, time flies, and uh, we were so looking forward to doing like a really big blow-up party uh, for our 20th. Uh, we're going to try to do something. Our church, we have our church board meeting tomorrow night, and so we're going to try to figure out what can we do. Uh, can we do something outside? Can we do something? Uh, in fact, that might be something you could write to us on that little Connect uh, card, that digital Connect card or welcome card. If, uh, if we were to do an outdoor something, um, maybe an outdoor service or maybe we do like a lunch kind of thing or a brunch or I don't know when we would do this But something on that day uh, that was some of you who have been watching online this whole time Have not been able to be here and haven't been able to see most of us for quite a while Would you would that be something that you would feel comfortable coming out to if it were outdoors and socially distant and all that kind of thing? And uh, you know we handed everybody a pizza or uh, I don't know I don't know what we would do, but uh, if we were to do something to get us together Uh, If you'd be interested in that, let us know uh, because we want to celebrate and we want to have some way to connect with some of you that that we haven't been able to connect with in a while. So um, anyway, hopefully by a year from now when the church turns 21, we can have a a 21st birthday party or something. I understand those are a little more popular uh, generally anyway. So anyway, uh, although ours would be very different than many people's 21st birthday parties. All right. Uh, today we are talking about faith and politics. Uh, we started this, kind of started a couple of weeks ago, started in earnest last week, specifically talking about political stuff. And uh, don't, don't turn us off, please, uh, because we're not going to be, I'm not going to be telling you how to vote. I'm not going to be telling you that, uh, that you can't be a Christian if you vote for that party or this party, or, or I'm not going to do one of those. I remember growing up... Uh, I would see in church sometimes those voter guides that uh, would kind of talk about different issues and how different politicians voted and it was a very not so subtle way of saying uh, you got to vote for this person or for this party because they, of course, they only mentioned the issues that they thought you would agree with, you know, as a a Christian sitting in church and uh, never really went out of their way to present the other perspective. Uh, We talked last week about the reality that good and thoughtful Christians disagree about politics. I mean, this is just the truth of the matter, all right? Now, whether you think we should or shouldn't, that's a different question. The reality that we face is that good, thoughtful Christians do disagree about politics. And so last week we talked about this, and I gave you two questions to reflect on, to think, as we begin to think down this road. Uh, am I a Christian first or an American first? Or you could say, Am I a Christian first or a Republican first? Am I a Christian first or a Democrat first? What's primary for me? What's the main source of identity? And am I representing Christ well in my political conversations? Just a little bit of review from last week, okay? I don't know if you've thought about these at all since then as you've been talking to folks. Bless you. Uh, as you've been talking to people, um, if you've thought like, ooh, that's right. I need to be thinking about how I'm representing Christ here. It's not just about winning an argument, and, uh, but I need to think about how I'm representing Jesus to this person I'm talking to. And uh, this idea of being a Christian first, versus being an American first, or a party person first, I mean, if, if, you, if you cannot recognize someone as a Christian brother or sister because of the way they vote, or because of the party they belong to, or because of the nation that they're from, or something like that, then you might need to think like, "Oh, maybe I'm not a Christian first. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm more tied to this other identity, this other uh, aspect of who I am more than I am to, to Christ himself. Uh, a couple of the scriptures we looked at last week, just, we're just going to breeze through them just as a reminder. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we're eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Our primary citizenship is that of, of heaven, of Christ's kingdom, and we're looking forward to him coming back and making all things right. In Galatians chapter 3 it tells us there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ." Jesus If you're writing today, he might in, in the United States of America, the Apostle Paul might have said, "Look, there's no Republican Democrat. All that stuff is, is secondary. What's primary is that we are one in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to be one, one people, one body." In, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians his second one, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five verse 20, he says, "So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We have a responsibility in the world, and it's not necessarily to convince people that our perspective is right, our political perspective is right. It's to represent Jesus to others. Uh, one way that we do that is by following uh, what the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesians in chapter 4. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I need, I need to remember this as I'm having, engaging in political conversations. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. God, you've been so patient and kind with me. Help me to be patient and kind with others. As you have forgiven me, help me to forgive that other person who they're, they're just, they're so passionate about it, they're sharing something, and they're not, they're not caring so much about whether it's true or not. I mean, they might be engaging in some kind of slander, but God, help me to be forgiving and patient and kind. Help me not to engage in the same thing, not to be overcome by evil and sucked into that, but to overcome evil with good. That was a couple of weeks ago, looking at Romans chapter 12. Starts out saying, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, you know, be conformed to the pattern of this world. Uh, End the chapter talking about not returning evil for evil, but overcoming evil with good. Living at peace with all people. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Uh, all people. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. All right. And so last week, I, I looked at uh, what God does call us to do as dual citizens here, citizens of God's kingdom and citizens of the United States. And I'm just going to flash them up here for you real quick. We're called to pray for our political leaders, called to respect our political leaders. So this is something we can all do. We can respect them. We can pray for them. We're called to work for the good of our nation. That's Jeremiah 29. You're reminded, we're, we're supposed to be actively engaged for the good of those around us. We're called to disagree agreeably. And we're called to bring God's transforming love to our world. Remember Jesus, when he was praying for his disciples in John chapter 17, uh, said to his heavenly father, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it, he says. And he, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So just like Christ was here on a mission, and that mission meant that he didn't engage in some things he might have wanted to engage in. That meant that whatever conversation he was in, his primary thought was, okay, I've been sent here for a reason. And now he has sent us into the world for a reason, to share his love, his grace, his truth. Not necessarily to win a political argument or to see that a certain person gets elected or a certain party uh, gets power or retains power. So in all of this, uh, we are supposed to be serving as as the light of the world. Again, the reality is that good, thoughtful Christians disagree about politics. So how is that possible? How is it possible that good, thoughtful Christians can disagree about politics? I used to think that was impossible. I think I shared this uh, before. Uh, As I was growing up, I I thought very clearly, like, you know, there's only one uh, perspective, the, the, the... what is it, the Grand Old Party? Is that what GOP stands for? It was God's own party, as far as I was concerned. I mean, I, that's just how I thought it worked. I thought if you were a Christian, of course, you would vote Republican. And uh, I remember being so frustrated that I was unable to vote the first time Bill Clinton was elected president. I was just, I was turning 18, like, the next month or something. And uh, I, I was practically in tears because I thought this was just going to be the downfall of our nation. All right? And um, some of you are thinking right now, like, well, yeah, and it was, you know. And, uh, anyway, uh, at the time, that was just, I... I I could not understand how any Christian could possibly vote for a Democratic president or a Demo- uh, just the Democratic Party, period. Uh, the abortion issue was, was you know, high on my radar and um, a very important factor playing into that. And it took a while before God helped me to, I mean, he allowed me to meet some good, thoughtful Christians who saw this very differently than I did. Um, now, there are some good, thoughtful Christians on the that are just as passionate about that on the other side, they don't understand how any Christian could vote for a Republican or could vote for you know, uh, our current president or you know they just see like to do that. I one uh, Facebook group I engage in, I, I, I'm in lots of different groups. I get to see lots of different perspectives. And they were asking like, okay, given all that we know now, is it a sin for a Christian to vote for Donald Trump? And uh, which is a perspective that you know I know many of us would say like, what, wait, what are you talking about? No, that's the, the opposite. Flip that around, you know. Um, Good, thoughtful Christians disagree about politics. How is that possible? We're going to talk about some of the factors that, uh, that lead to some of these political disagreements among Christians. But first, I want us to look at Romans chapter 14. Um, you know, I mentioned we looked at Romans 12 a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, and, uh, and now a couple chapters later... It, right in the middle, in chapter 13, he talks about how, uh, you know, we're supposed to submit ourselves to governing authorities and all of that. That God is involved even in the political process. And in Romans chapter 14, he, he says this. Uh, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. That's, that's uh, oh, back, back up, back up, back uh, up. Just that first verse. Um, some matters, uh, not every matter is equally weighted in the world. Okay, some things, Romans chapter 14, one of the things the Apostle Paul is doing here is saying, look, there are some issues that Christians disagree about, and we don't want to quarrel over these things. We don't want to let getting sucked into disagreements about these disputable matters be something that, that tarnishes our witness to the watching world, something that tears down other people, something that leads us to get sucked into the, the evil ways of engaging in these conversations that we talked about, you know, last week and the week before. We want to make sure that we're treating people with respect, that we're listening first uh, before speaking, that we're avoiding anger, that we're avoiding quarreling. And he talks about some whose faith is weak, some whose faith is strong. And, um, and, and if you're vegan, this next part might, might frustrate you a little bit, because except one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. All right. So apparently your faith is stronger if you're willing to eat the bacon and the pork and all that. Uh, uh. Let me, let me explain what's going on, okay? The Apostle Paul is dealing with Christians, some from a Jewish background, some from a Gentile background. So there's kind of two things that play into this. One is that, the, the Jew-Gentile thing. And, of course, Jewish Christians grew up uh, eating kosher, just understanding, like, no, there are certain meats, certain things that we just don't eat. And Gentiles, of course, did not grow up with that. And as they became Christians, here there's this church now made up of some folks who have certain dietary restrictions and, and others who don't. And he's trying to say, look, you can't look down on each other for these differences, um, he says a little bit later, like, look, I'm convinced there's no food is unclean. God has given us all of it to enjoy. Um, but for some folks, their faith won't, isn't to that place. They, they they grew up with a perspective that they have not shaken yet. And so he's saying, look, you, you don't want to trample on them because they're, they're doing this. Now, another factor, and you can read more about this. I think it's first Corinthians 10, uh, Is that in their context, in the Roman Empire, where there was worship of lots of different gods, often the meats that were available in the marketplace had been offered in like a pagan temple first. Like that was just kind of the... the, process that that they went through in those days before the meat hit the market well you know it had been offered as a sacrifice to this god or to that god and they'd butcher it and some of it get eaten by those priests or whatever and then they'd you know wrap it up and sell it in the marketplace and there were some christians who were like well yeah that's just how meat works and yeah we know those aren't those gods aren't anything you know there's only one god and we've come to understand that the father of our lord jesus christ is the, is the only true god and and it's sad that these people worship all these idols but meat's still good good grief why, why wouldn't i eat that and others are like, whoa, are you kidding me? I, I grew up worshiping that God and thinking that that God was real. And I, I have a hard time eating meat that now has been part of this religious ceremony. And so some folks would say, look, I, I can only eat vegetables. I just, I'm not there to a place where I can join you with that. So those two issues are both kind of coming together and around this food thing. And so he continues, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So he's saying to those who, who are on the strong side of this, who are able to eat anything, who eat the meat and all this stuff, he's like, look, you can't you can't look down on these folks. You can't treat them with contempt. Just like, oh, you're a weak faith person. You know, you, you can't, you can't, you should be able to, you should be over this by now. Come on. I'm saying, no, don't look down on them. They're, they're serving God just as you are. And to the other, saying, look, you can't judge them because they're doing, because they're free to do something you, your conscience won't allow you to do. And look, we all serve the same master and we're going to stand or fall in, in service to that master. And he says, look, and we will stand. The Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Again, that kind of goes back to the Jewish-Gentile divide in the practice of the Sabbath, or not. You know, are you going to take one day? Uh, or is every day just the same, and they're all gifts from God? He says, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. It's like, look, there's a bigger issue here. You know? We're all living for Christ. We, we may even die for Christ. And we're going to do this, like, we need to do this together, he's saying. We, we're not, like, leaving each other behind. We're, we're not just isolated individuals saying, you know, well, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what I do. You know, like, no, we're, we're in this thing together. We don't live just for me. I don't don't just do whatever I want to do. I put you first. I consider you in the decisions I make for me. He says, for this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. So I read this, and I hear him saying to us today in our very politically divided situation, like, look, those of you who feel like your Christian faith uh, requires you to vote Republican, don't judge those whose Christian faith is leading them to vote Democratic. Uh, you don't, you, don't have that, you don't have permission to do that, <laughs> is what I feel like he's saying. And those of you who your Christian faith has led you to vote Democratic, don't, don't uh, judge those who are voting Republican. You know, they're responsible to God just as you are. And God is going to help us all through this because he's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's the one that cares, and he's the one that's guiding us. That doesn't mean we can't have conversation together, try to persuade each other, help each other to understand our perspective. And that's some of what we're going to do today is to try to help us understand a little bit of the perspective that that other people might have. I know I've been looking to this side and that side. I didn't ask you to sit based on your uh, uh, political persuasion this morning. I'm probably getting it wrong half the time, all right? So um, don't don't anybody look around the room and say, oh, they're on that side of the room, okay. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you vote for the right party. Right? Isn't that how he said it, I think? No, of course not. He says, this is how everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And we need to make sure we're displaying that love even across political differences, even with people that we disagree with. That was the whole theme of the message a couple of weeks ago. If you missed it, you can can watch it later after this one. Um, In... uh, and I know some of you is like, but uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, some of these folks, they, they, they sure come across, you know, you've been taught to see them as, as enemies, right? I mean, in your view, these people are enemies of our nation, enemies of the church, perhaps. They're being destructive. And I've, I've read things in the last weeks, months, from both perspectives. People who are saying, look, what's gone on with the Republican Party and with this president over the last four years has been destructive of the church, that people are leaving the church, young people are rejecting the church because they see the church putting up with this president and all of his antics, and and they they see it as hypocrisy, and they just want nothing to do with that, and they're leaving. And of course, I grew up, uh, it's easy for me to see the perspective from the other side that says, you know, Republicans who see the Democratic uh, Party and platform and say, look, on the abortion issue and so many others, it just seems to be anti-God and anti-church and and how, how could anybody, they're enemies of us. They're, they're, they've changed so much. They're pushing for changes that we don't want to see. Remember what Jesus said about our enemies, right? That feel free to hate them if they vote for the wrong people, right? I mean, no, that's not what he said. In Luke chapter 6, he said, To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the most, children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Uh, we heard similar words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. That's Luke's uh, rendition of Jesus' teaching on that in Luke chapter 6. So even if you see them as your enemies, we're supposed to love them, right? We're supposed to love each other. Now, how is it that Christians find ourselves disagreeing on so many political issues? Um, I know uh, I've I've got Christian friends who are like, look, we all just need to listen to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's not going to lead anyone astray. Um, We should just uh, listen to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to lead us in the right way. And, uh, well, um, and and the thought is the Holy Spirit would lead all of us to vote for the same person. Right, so if so, I see if you're voting for someone different than me. Well, the Holy Spirit's led me to my decision. You must not be listening to the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's not quite how it works. Uh, So, three, three things, three sources of many political disagreements among Christians, all right? Now, I'm just talking about Christians, followers of Christ, those good, thoughtful Christians that if you have a conversation with them, you say, man, this person really does love Jesus. This person really honestly has a relationship with the Lord. They take the the Bible seriously, their faith seriously. This is not somebody that you can look at and just say, like, oh, well, they call themselves Christian, but, you know, they're not really. They're not trying to be consistent. They're They're just picking and choosing what they want to do. No. Three sources of many political disagreements among good and thoughtful Christians. The first one is different ideas about the government's role. Uh, An easy example of that one is care for the poor. All good, thoughtful Christians would say, yes, we are responsible to care for the poor, to care for our neighbors, right? Now, those Christians who lean Republican see government's role as limited, in like Romans 13 and, and other passages where they see like, no, no, the government's just supposed to keep the peace. And uh, they might point to some of our constitutional uh, limitations on the government's role. But also just from Scripture, they will, they will uh, look at certain verses and say the government's role is limited. The responsibility for care lies with individuals and with churches. And, and the, you know, the government should kind of stay out of the way so that, so that churches can step in and charities and individuals can care for the poor. And they would see government as just messing everything up, and, uh, you know, government bureaucracy ends up, you know, so little of the, that money actually gets to the people who need it, and uh, the charities may be more effectively uh, getting the work done, and that's kind of a Republican-leaning perspective. still agree, like, we should care for the poor, but where the government should fit into that, they would say, well, it should be very limited, whereas Christians who lean democratic would tend to see government as a, as a good and helpful method for fulfilling our shared civic responsibilities. You know, just like we come together to make sure that uh, every child has a, has a good and solid education. We, we come together to make sure that, you know, the, uh, the streets are clean and there's someone to put out the fire. If your house is on fire, that, um, that we can come together civically to, uh, to uh, care for the poor among us, whether they're hungry, whether they're homeless. And they would look back to Old Testament Israel and say, look, the government had a role to play there, that, that people were expected to bring their funds to the temple, and then out of that storehouse, people who were poor could come and get help. And, and, uh, and those who mean Republican would say, yeah, the temple, not to the palace. You know, there was uh, something the church was supposed to be doing. But the church and the state were not so separate in Old Testament Israel. You know, the, these things were all, um, it was all part of one, one whole in that day. And so they would see some of the commands given to people in the Old Testament. And, uh, and they would see some of the things that the prophets say to the king or to the king or to other nations. And the reasons for God judging them was because they were not caring for the poor among them. And say so like, well, we, if, then our king, evidently our, our political leaders bear some responsibility for that. And they would say it's, it's an okay thing. Still want to care for the poor, make sure that their needs are met. And the government has a role to play in that that's more active than those who lean Republican. So just different ideas about the government's role sometimes can lead good and thoughtful Christians to to disagree politically, even though they might share the exact same goal, the exact same, here's what we wanna see happen, that all who are poor to be cared for, that all who are hungry to be fed, that all who are homeless to have housing, just have different ideas about how that should be accomplished when it comes to the government. Uh, Sometimes, this is similar, but a little bit different, different strategies for reaching the same goal. An example I'll use here is abortion, all right? That uh, that sometimes good and thoughtful Christians might want the same thing. Now I'll just I'll just assume here for a moment that uh, all the good thoughtful Christians I'm talking about uh, at this moment all are agreeing that they don't want to see abortions take place. That they would say that that child in the womb is a child, is loved by God, and is deserving of life and deserves to have a life and should not be aborted. And uh, so we're just gonna we're gonna start with that assumption and look at how Christians who lean Republican or Democrat can can still disagree though, Even though they might want the same, the same thing to see fewer and fewer abortions uh, performed until one day that number gets all the way to zero now those who lean Republican want to take a clear moral stand to make abortion illegal, equivalent to murder um, because we see it as the murder the taking of a life uh, and would say no we, we need to draw a line in the sand to, to do any less is like morally irresponsible it's a it's a blot on our on our nation uh, and um, and so there's a lot of focus put on like, overturning Roe v. Wade, getting um, the kinds of justices elected or appointed to the Supreme Court that would one day perhaps overturn that decision, which then returns it back to the states, and then, so then there's all kinds of state-level uh, activity that needs to take place uh, in order to see abortion actually become illegal, and um, I suppose there could be a constitutional amendment at the, at the you know, federal level uh, that would make it illegal, but anyway, I don't hear much about that. Um, so those who lean Republican, like that's kind of their, their take on that, right? The, 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 uh, they want to cut off the supply of abortions. It's no longer legal. You cannot do that here in this country. Those who lean Democratic um, want to make abortion rare by helping women. And again, I'm talking about Christians who would vote Democratic, all right? I understand there are those who would, not Christian or whatever, there are those who would vote Democratic who would disagree about this. But um, again, we're talking about those who would like to see abortions be rare uh, by helping women avoid unwanted pregnancies in the first place or to have the support they need to keep that child and uh, to, to kind of tackle the uh, the demand side of the problem, right? So Republicans want to hit the the supply side, make abortion illegal, not make it impossible to, to get access to abortion. Or Democrats, those Christians who mean democratic would say, uh, well no, we wanna take the, the demand side of it so that there are fewer women who have an unwanted, an unwanted pregnancy in the first place. And so they, they push for contraceptives, uh, effective contraceptives to be available more cheaply or to be uh, provided with your insurance or whatever uh, so that uh, all women can have easier access to that. Um, again, to make sure that social support programs are in place so that when a woman finds herself pregnant, Oftentimes, with a second or third child that they weren't anticipating, they already have children, and now they're facing like another child, another mouth to feed, and they know they can't make this work. Many Democrats want to make that rare by by providing support for that. So does that make sense? That I mean, I've again I've read a little bit widely over this over the last few years, and there are Christians who would call themselves evangelical, conservative Christians, who have said, you know what, just looking at the trajectory over time and looking at the kinds of things that have had an actual impact on the number of abortions, they've said it feels like to, to take the Republican stance uh, where we're going to push for that, but at the same push for it to be illegal, but at the same time undercut this kind of social service uh, programs or those kinds of things that we feel like that that isn't getting us there. It's hurting us more than it's helping us. If our goal is to really protect the lives of those unborn children, then, then they feel like they'd be more effective uh, voting Democratic. So, um, uh, again, I didn't have this perspective for a long time. It took God introducing me to some good, thoughtful Christians who were extremely liberal, uh, voted Democratic all the time, but who also would stand out and join the Right to Life uh, marches and, and hold the signs and you know, stand boldly against abortion, doing more than I was doing for that. But at the same time, they voted Democratic because they believed that was the best way to to see the number of abortions decline. So there are different ideas about the government's role, the different strategies for reaching the same goal. And sometimes, the third source of many political disagreements among Christians, sometimes we just plain disagree on Christian faith and practice, on what it is that Christians believe or how we should live that out. A couple of examples here, uh, same-sex marriage and war. Um, Are same-sex sexual relationships sinful? Christians disagree about that. Um, Is it the government's role to enforce that? How do we best love our same-sex attracted neighbors, our our LGBT neighbors? How do we best love them? even some Christians who would say, who would answer the first questions, you know, that same-sex sexual relationships are sinful, would say, well, yeah, but, that, but civically, legally, they should still have the right to a place to live and a right to a job. They shouldn't be able to be fired for, for being gay. They shouldn't be able to be evicted uh, from the place they're renting uh, because, they're, because they're gay. Um, so Christians just honestly disagree about some issues, which obviously then leads to them disagreeing politically uh, or war. Is a question that uh, I know some of you are like, wait, war? I thought we all kind of agreed on that. Like nobody likes war, but sometimes it has to happen. Well, can a Christian participate in war? That's been a very real question down through the millennia for Christians. Is it okay for a Christian to kill another Christian because their nations are in conflict? That's what happens sometimes when nations go to war. You don't know who you're shooting at, if they're uh, Christian or not. Is it okay for a Christian to kill a Christian brother or sister because their nations are in conflict? This is one reason that some Christians refuse to serve in the military or in any government role. Some abstain from the whole political process, seeing all politics as a seeking of power over others, which they see as incompatible with the servant way of Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at next week. Not the anti-war thing, but but the politics of Jesus. How does Jesus engage with other people in ways that today we would see as like political? What does he have to say about... um, about that. Um, I think that'll be hugely helpful. And I know next week—next week's Labor Day weekend, I think. Is that right? Um, which back in the day used to be like, oh man, don't want to cover, a, tackle a big topic of Labor Day weekend. People are going to be traveling. People are going to be doing other stuff. We're, most of us are watching online now anyway, you know. So it'll be out there. So if you miss next Sunday because you're traveling, and most of us aren't traveling anyway, um, uh, but that'll be next Sunday. Uh, we'll wrap up this whole faith and politics thing next Sunday, looking at the politics of Jesus and, uh, and all that. But I hope, I don't know if today's been helpful for you, um, and it might be that the most helpful thing will be for you to just finally sit down and have a conversation with someone whose political perspective is very different from your own but the, whom you know to be a good kind, generous conscientious Christian some people their Christian faith leads them to vote for a party that is the opposite of the one that you vote for or just that is a different party I couldn't say opposite, there's more than two parties but there's two major parties alright I used to think that those Christians who voted for a party other than my chosen one, uh, they were doing that in spite of their faith. Like, well, their Christian faith, if they took that seriously, they would vote the same way I do. But because of other factors, they're like, yeah, they're finding a way to wiggle out of that or to do something else. They care about something else more than they care about Christ. You know, maybe their primary allegiance isn't that, that of Christ, you know, but it's something else. And that's why they're, they're voting that other way. And I've come to discover that, no, it, there are just genuine, good, thoughtful Christians who their faith, their convictions uh, lead them to vote differently than I do. And I think, I think the Apostle Paul would say, you know what, and that happens. That's okay sometimes. That's the reality that we live in. And we don't want to spend our time quarreling about those matters. We don't want to spend our time uh, arguing and fighting each other um, Biting at each other. and One of the verses from last week talked about, like, yeah, don't don't be always uh, biting at each other or you're going to consume each other. You know, you you can't do that. You're supposed to be building each other up. You're supposed to be encouraging each other. We're supposed to be loving each other. That is the way we'll demonstrate to the world that our lives have been transformed by Christ. That's the way we demonstrate to the world that we are following him, is because we display his love. Even to those who disagree with us, even those who are going to vote differently than we will this November, or who won't vote at all. So just a quick reminder, two last verses. Um, Again, from Philippians chapter 3, we're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. That should be our primary motivation in all of this is how do we please Christ? How do we live in a way that honors him, that shows that we are citizens of his kingdom? And Jesus said in John chapter 18, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders and then crucified. But my kingdom is not of this world. We're going to look at that next week, how his kingdom is so different from the kingdoms of this world. But right now, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray before we celebrate communion together. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so patient with us. There are so many times that we have just not understood. We've not, uh, we've not made sense uh, of what we're doing. We've, we meant well, God. Um, but now we think back to that conversation or the way that relationship blew up and we, we realize that we, wow, we just did not handle that probably the way that you would of Jesus. So would you help us? Would you help us as we engage in, in political conversations, as we, as we just can't avoid being surrounded by political uh, um, advertisements and all the rest in these coming months? And you know, God, that many of us, we want to be good citizens of this country. We want what is best for our nation, for our state, for our community, for our world. So God, as we do our best to educate ourselves, as we do our best to engage in these conversations with others, would you help us to do so in a way that reflects your grace and your love Where we can be kind to others as you have been kind to us. Where we can be patient with others as you have been patient with us. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that you give us as your people to demonstrate to the world a different way to live. That political differences don't have to divide us. But that instead we can be united by the transforming power of your love. That we can love each other deeply, even across political divides. Thank you, God. We are so grateful for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the opportunity we're going to have in just a few moments to celebrate communion together. To gather together, all of us, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Greens, all of us, God, joining together at the table of our Lord Jesus to express gratitude to you for the love you have shown us that you would enter into our broken world to bring your healing, that you would enter in even to our death to bring your life. We are so grateful. We lift grateful hearts up to you today, God, even as we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, praying that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, our lives. All of us. Praying that by your Holy Spirit's transforming work in us, that we might be transformed, that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, united. Even across all of our many differences. Thank you, God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in praying together the prayer that Jesus taught us? Um, Joe and Amanda are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Um, now, back in the day, <laughs> back in the olden times, uh, as we sang, we would come forward and we would take bread and dip it in a cup and eat it and return to our seats. But, uh, but these days, uh, those of us who are gathered in the room all have these little uh, individually packaged communion cups uh, with us where the bread is under the first flap and the juice is under the second and so after we sing we will uh we will celebrate communion together and those of you who are gathered with us online if you want to celebrate with us as well uh, you're invited to gather elements uh, of bread and juice what you have available and uh and you may celebrate with us as well (laughs) you are able to make a stand lord jesus thank you thank you for the grace that you've given us Thank you for this moment where we get to celebrate in a, in a tangible way the fact that you do not stay far removed from the realities of our life, but you step right into the midst of them to bring your grace, to bring your love, to bring your life. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he he took bread and he broke it. He was having a meal with his disciples, celebrating the Passover, and, and now he was redefining this, this central moment of their faith. They'd been looking back to what God had done, rescuing them from slavery in Egypt, and and now he focuses them forward to, to God's rescue from slavery to sin. He says, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. And let's take and eat the bread. He took the cup after the meal. said, this, this is my blood, the new covenant. This seals a new agreement between God and humanity. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember Lord Jesus. And not just in that we're calling it to mind and remembering the great price that you paid for our salvation, for our rescue, but we, we pray that you will remember us, that you will make us members of Christ's body. That we will be so transformed by your grace, by your life, by your love. That as we go from this place and as we engage in all of life, including the ways we engage in political conversations, that we would do so in a way that that makes you present, your light, your life, your grace, your love, that makes you present to the people you send us to. We're trusting you to lead us well. Give us the faith to follow you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious to you. Make his face shine upon you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.